Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joe Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by who else? BetOnline.ag. And look, BetOnline would like to wish you a very happy new betting year as we continue our march into the playoffs and beyond. And yes, it is the NFL wildcard round coming up this weekend. So that's why BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year, new updated desktop, and a mobile website to sign up today. You'll receive that, what else, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. Football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 year. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming to the pod. I'm so excited to have back a good friend and a man whose perspectives I always admire and respect so much. He is NBC Sports, Philadelphia's own and bet prep, Brad Feinberg. Brad, welcome back to the pod, man. Happy New Year. How are you? Sam, you outstanding, Joe. I look forward to get talking some good sports, some good sports betting with you all, Chicago, and uh, let's do it, my friend. Yeah, it's one of the best. Uh, it's one of the best betting weekends coming up, right? We're in the NFL Absolutely. playoffs right now. We're kind of heading towards the second half of the NBA season. We're going to get to that a little bit later in the pod, but we're going to stick to the NFL right now. Just real quick, just general question. I'm sure you've been asked this before, but for all the uh, you know the prospective novice gambler out there, it's been a crazy season. I think we can just in sports in general. I mean. Just the whole concept of we don't really know who's in or out of the lineup on a daily basis. Yeah. In my my perspective, has that has that changed the way that you look at futures? Has that changed the way that you make your daily wagers right now? Have you found any advantages with all the COVID restrictions right now with people being in and out of the lineup, or is it really kind of restricted how you play the game? Great question, Joey. No, in terms of NBA, it's affected me a lot in more a negative way. Like I, as a gambler, I try to deal with as much certainty as I can. I Again, I do this to make money. Like most people who, who gamble, I'm not criticizing this even a little bit, but they gamble for the action. It's not something to do. They enjoy it. It's like going to a Broadway show, whatever. It's giving them their their whatever you want, their their sugar high, so to speak, right? For me, I'm not getting any highs out of this. I'm doing this because I'm trying to make money at it. And if I see an advantage, I'm betting it. If I don't, I I could not bet for 20 years until I find something that. I show an edge in, and that's when I'll, you know, dip my toes into the pool, so to speak. So with the NBA, Joey, it's been, it's it's been harder for me to handicap. Okay, what is this guy? Seven guys are out, or five guys are out. Yeah. How do I determine the, the the replacement values value when five guys are out? It's been hard for me. So it it's really hurt my own personal betting um, with the NBA. It's getting now props. I love doing, but props. These sports books are getting smarter, Joey. They don't want people like me because I win doing all these props. They're going to try to limit me. Is They'll say, okay, on an NFL football game, I can bet $100,000 on a prop. They'll try to limit me like $100. If you go to the prop, I'm going to be a huge favorite on the NFL games. Those are a lot more hard. But to answer your question, back, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually really hurt me in terms of the NBA. Not so much NFL, but in terms of the NBA, Joey, it's definitely hurt my overall betting because – I haven't felt confident enough from my point of view to wager when I don't think I have enough of an edge knowing um, when all these players are out, how much it really is affecting everybody. Well, and that's been the most difficult thing is trying to figure out how, what, what is the, what is the latitude of effect that is going to sure. be happening with each of these situations. And just look at the bulls for a personal example is 
they got down to all the way to the point where they were out the minimum of players. And then they got to the point where they were signing 10, 10-day contract guys that were then being put on the COVID list. Now, look, let's preface this by saying, obviously, we want everyone to be happy and safe and healthy. I mean, we're just talking about this from a bottom line perspective. Yeah. But I was even telling my wife, who's a huge Steelers fan, and we'll get to the Steelers in a little bit, yeah. I got no chance against the Chiefs. And I said, well, honey, in this day and age, you really don't know what's going to happen. Because yeah. Patrick Mahomes or any blue chip player can end up on this list at any moment, and all of a sudden it's completely changing the game, completely changing the line, and maybe changing the outcome of these games. Well, it's interesting. And one thing I think we're seeing, Joey, in, in my opinion at least, especially with what the NFL has done now, with they're making it easier if you if you were in contact with COVID or whatnot. I don't think, especially for the, these playoff games, they don't want – Patrick Mahomes not to play, right? Right. So I think that they're trying to do it where uh, almost as, as close to a scene of evil, you know, evil as possible, where they they want to make it where if you if you have this, unless you're really sick with it, that you can play. Because especially for these playoff games coming up, I my guess is, and we'll see if I'm right on this. Okay, Joey, I'm going to say we're going to see a downward what's tick. In terms of how yeah. many players are missing the game due to COVID, because I think they're going to test you on the exact day where if you, okay, if you haven't had cause contact for five days, you're fine. Then they'll test you on a Monday if it's a Saturday game, or if they'll test you a Tuesday if it's a Sunday game, as opposed to testing you midweek on a Thursday where you're screwed. I think we're going to see a lot of that from the NFL, where they're, they're going to really bend over backwards to make sure that we don't see the scenario that you presented. God, that's such a great point. And in past years, it's not like this hasn't existed in the NFL. In past years, that was PEDs, right? And steroids. Oh, 100%. Yeah. All of a sudden, they just stopped kind of testing. We all remember yeah, the, exactly. Ray, the Ray Lewis story. The Ray Lewis story, the deer antler spray. And next thing you know, he's oh, playing that, in the oh Super Bowl. Oh, my God. Great memory by you. Jeez. Oh, my God. I but, forgot yeah, about that one. But it's funny. They are probably going to maybe look a blind eye towards this matchup. And let's get into these wild card matchups a little bit. I want to kind of hit a little bit of each one with you and then maybe wrap up with some hoops talk a little bit. So let's just start with Raiders Bengals real quick. Um, now, just to be very fair, Brad, if I read a line or something like that that you get different information from, I'm going off of all my stuff off of betonline.ag. So if you see something different, please make sure you point that out. But right now yeah. we got the Raiders, uh, Raiders plus six, plus 220 to win on the money line over under 49 and a half right now. Um, I'm seeing some interesting ones, too. I mean, any team to score 40-plus points is plus 421. I kind of can wrap my head around a little bit of a shootout. What do you see right now for this Raiders-Bengals matchup? Well, I'm actually going to go the other way on this one, Joey. I actually lean here to the under. Interesting. Since they lost Henry Ruggs, the Raiders are averaging 19.4 points a game, yet Mm. their implied total in this game is 21.5, Okay. And Bengals defense has been, you know, a very respectable defense this year. Raiders have a legit pass rush. Uh, and I could see because of that pass rush, Burrow not having quite the success we saw the Bengals have the last few weeks. We're seeing potential snow, maybe 20 degree temperatures. Derek mm. Carr has struggled in his career, only 15 game sample size, but um, when the seven career games, I'm sorry, seven career game sample size, when the temperature is below 40 degrees. He's hit, but that, that makes sense to me for most people. When it's 40 degrees, I wouldn't play good either. Um, I'm going to lean here to under 49 and a half, especially like under 24 and a half. If you can find that in the first half, that's the best play. It's harder to find that. I found it in a couple places, but because if you take under 24 and a half, there's very rarely, think about it like this, Joey, there's very really never 25 points or 26 points scored in a half. It'll be 27. So when you get, it takes 27 times by two, it's like taking under 54. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. If, you, if you're able to get under 24 and a half, it's almost like yep. getting under 26, you know, under yeah, 26. Yeah. It's a way of kind of cheating it a little bit in your favor that the pros will do in the first half of these kind of bets. But uh, I like um, I like the under here. 
lean here to the Raiders with the side, not betting it, but I do like the under. Yeah, so what I'm kind of maybe hearing from you a little bit is it sounds like two teams that haven't been in the playoffs a lot before. You've got Burrow, who's in the playoffs for the first time. Derek Carr, obviously veteran, but in the playoffs for the first time. And a huge kind of maybe a feel-out process a little bit throughout the course of this game. And what are you you thinking maybe? Is this game going to be maybe one more in the first half than the second half? Or do you think this is just maybe one of those, uh, you know, those nip-tuck kind of games a little bit in bad weather? No, I, I look, I, I, the Raiders, look, give credit to them. They've basically been, what, four straight elimination games, and they've won all four, right? Yeah. 4-0 in overtime. Interesting stat. I don't know when the last time that's ever happened. Um, look, I love Joe Burrow. If I have, like, another kid, I'm going to name him Joe Burrow. Like, I had, was it three years ago, Joe? I had LSU at 101 in the college title. So, I, <laughs> for a lot of money, and I, and I, I watched every Joe Burrow snap. He's the player. I almost feel like I know him better than anyone in the NFL. I love Joe Burrow. Love Jamar Chase. Uh, love what this team has done. I don't think it's going to be quite uh, the walk in the park that maybe some people think it's going to be. The Raiders, again, Carr, he's, look, Carr is good. I got to tell you, I think Derek Carr is a very underrated NFL player. I don't think they have, now the fact they got Waller back, I know he didn't look great in that first game. He, he dropped a couple of passes, looked a little bit rusty, but you know, he's even made Zay Jones look semi-serviceable last few weeks. I think Carr's a really good quarterback. I think Josh Jacobs is a tough running back. They do have, with Crosby, a legitimate pass rush. Um, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a hard-fought game. Um, you know, maybe I'll say like 24-20, Bengals pull it out. But again, I might lean here more than anything else is to the under. But I think it'll come down to a four-quarter game, Joey. Yeah, you brought up Waller, uh, definitely a guy who's always just been an X-factor for the Raiders' offense in general. But I think in this game especially because the Bengals have allowed seven touchdowns to the tight end position over their last ten games. So I think if that's an area in the red zone where they can maybe target that, maybe that could be an area where the Raiders can maybe get a leg up. And it's just also curious, I mean, you know, the Bears are going through a head coaching search right now, and everyone keeps putting the Raiders on the coaching candidate. Uh, Yeah, I know, finally is right. The encore no one wanted, Brad. Uh, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace came coming back this year. But it's it's interesting that they're going to their playoff game right now with Bisaccia as interim, and everyone's saying that the Raiders are going to be looking for a new head coach in the offseason. I just find that to be, uh, I don't know if disrespectful is the right word, but I think that's a little ironic for a team that should be really excited about the playoffs. I well, I will say this, and there was, I, you know, and I can't remember the exact thing he did, but I judge these coaches in a different way, Joe, because I'm always coming from a math point of view, a gambling point of view, an odds point of view. And he did something that was just, inexcusable i can't remember what it was but mm. he did something that was just so if he had me on this like i'm not just an eight million me's but someone who understood things from a common sense math standpoint you would have would have like i would have slapped him in the face yo dude you can't do this no and and, <laughs> and and so i don't know how sharp he is from again i maybe i overrate that you know i look again a lot of people for years have criticized mike tomlin's game day coaching but you know what when you're a coach for 15 years or wherever it's been Mike Tomlin gets his players to play for him and like everything else he may not do good. The fact that he's had that organization as good as it's been for as many years as it's been, you got to get, he's doing something right. So I understand that's just a part of it, but I, I look very much. And then Brandon Staley, by the way, just I'm going off topic. I, 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 I think he's gotten such a free pass that I, because this analytics community. And by the way, I agree with analytics. I'm not like some, you know, guy with my head in the sand not understanding the value of analytics and what it can do for you joey but when you're going for fourth down in a field goal game fourth and one at your own 18 yard line it's if you get the first down there you, you still have the ball theoretically below bad field position and you 
you don't, you're flat out giving up points. The risk reward to me was atrocious. Uh, and then he called the timeout. I mean, it was a game of trust to me at the end there where both sides couldn't. And I will fight anyone on this one. It's just my opinion. I think if he didn't call that timeout there, that game would have ended in a tie. I think once he called that timeout, it's like they both want a tie, but if you need both sides. It's almost like if it's a gun chamber. Like you, 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 if, if, if no one shoots each other, you're fine, but you just, you, you both live. But if one guy shoots you, you know, he lives and you're done. Like you have to trust each other, right? Yeah. To me, he broke that trust by calling that timeout. There was 38 seconds left. They still have a timeout left. Then the Raiders are like, whoa, okay, wow. All right. If we don't get the first down here, he could call timeout again, make us punt. Maybe they're trying to win this stupid game and we, we're not safe. We want to feel safe. And to me, he made him not feel safe. I think he's a guy that, in my opinion, was criminal and how poor he was. And yet he's treated in the media like he's some savant. I don't see it that way. Well, I mean, for in a weird way, his comments after what happened with Gruden built him a lot of equity, I feel like, with the national media because Staley's comments after the whole Gruden situation were actually really eloquent and, and well said. Right. And for some reason, it made him seem like he was like the heir apparent of the next McVeigh, Clint sure. Kingsbury area. In terms of what you're talking about, so I, as I mentioned, my wife's a Steelers fan, praying not to have a tie, right? And my yeah. whole thought process was for both those teams was if it got under four minutes in that overtime, you really got to start to look at what is feasible. And what was most feasible was to get a tie from yes. both ends. Also, to that credit as well, you know, Josh Jacobs going to the hitting that outside hole and actually running hard and not going between the tackles also kind of changed a little bit of that math. But I'm right there with you. Once they called that timeout, it was like it was a little bit of a screw you. And I think it was, you know, at that point, Carlson hadn't missed a field goal yet in, in Vegas Stadium and all that stuff. Yeah. So it kind of became the situation where, hey, let's just go for it. And, you know, interdivision, uh, a little bit of an FU made the decision easy, right? I, I'm going to be I'm going to be honest with you. And it's funny because theoretically you can say, and fair point, the Raiders kicking a field goal, maybe the chances are, I don't know the math on it, one in 200, one in 300, whatever it is, one in a thousand even, of getting a kick blocked and returned for a touchdown the other way. Because that's, you know, that's how they would get screwed, right? That's the only yeah. way. The kick gets blocked. And we've seen it. I mean, I've seen blocked kicks for touchdowns. It doesn't happen often. Maybe it's one in a thousand, whatever the number is, one in 500. But the point being is there was a chance. Maybe it was a Jim Carrey chance in Dumb and Dumber, you know, but, but it, wasn't, it wasn't maybe high, but it was a chance. But I'll be honest, if I was the Oakland organization at that moment and I saw Staley call that timeout, I would have been like, F you, you know what? Yep. You're going to get punished. Yep. I'm going to punish you for what you did. And I would like, you know what? I was content with this tie, but you know what? I'm sending you home. I would have done that even knowing there was maybe one in three or 500 chance it was going to cost me the game. I'd be like, you know what? But there's a, 68% chance it's going to send your ass home, and I'm, I'm going to do that. Yeah, and you're nailing a human element because it wasn't Raiders-Texans. It was Raiders-Chargers. It was, it was interdivision. And maybe my yeah. final point on it was, um, you know, like so she's watching pins and needles on the couch, and this thing's yeah. going crazy. Herbert's going nuts. Tie game. All my buddies are texting me right now saying, Joey's sleeping on the couch tonight, minus, <laughs> uh, minus 200, down to minus 110. It's almost even money. He's sleeping on yeah. the couch tonight, and thank God they kicked that field goal and made it happen. Um, and yeah. truly, the scenario that everyone talked about actually ended up almost coming to fruition, which was Dave so crazy. Sports books like millions of dollars, you know that, right? Oh, how? Wait, wait how so? Just oh, you didn't know. Oh, oh, it was the most overtime and you, you, yeah. It, it's this was they offer typically bets. Will the game go to overtime or not? And yeah. 
usually they give you like 60 to one odds. But for this game, they lowered the odds like crazy because they knew and there was conspiracy theorists out there like, oh, they're just going to take, you know, that's just the way people are. And by the way, if you're, if, if these $10 bets add up, if you're getting 12 to one and they have thousands and thousands of people betting, they were on the hook for millions and millions of dollars if that game landed on time. And they God. were absolutely, I read many, many articles about it. They were over the moon that the game didn't because they were going to actually really lose it well over seven figures on that game because of the tie factor. Well, and keep in mind, it was 29-14 Raiders at one point. That was the other I, thing that was so I, crazy yeah. about that too as well. I, um, I bet that game I lost. I, I made a big wager on the Raiders minus six and a half. And I seen like 416 straight fourth downs they converted to beat me. <laughs> and then I had a live bet. I had... Plus, maybe it's why I'm bitter on it. I had the Chargers plus one and a half and a live bet getting plus 880 for a substantial amount of money. I needed that game million on a tie. And when the guy called timeout, I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, I go, I'm going to lose this bet. I go, he broke the trust. Yes. He broke the trust. And, uh, but anyway, we'll see. Justin Herbert, great quarterback though. Uh, that team, it's amazing. He became in as a defensive coach, so to speak. They've had the worst defense in the NFL this year, the Chargers. Maybe. Oh, they can't. They can't stop the run. That was the whole problem. They can't stop the run, and that was that was the problem. And eventually, that ended up dooming them in the end. Yeah. Uh, let's let's flip over to two teams that yeah. can't stop the run. Let's talk about Patriots Bills. Uh, right now, I got Patriots plus four, plus one seventy. Bills minus four, minus one ninety five. Over under forty three. Uh, help me out on this one, Brad, because obviously we all know about the first matchup where the Patriots ran the ball forty six times, ran the ball three times. I guarantee you that ratio probably won't be the same on this one. Um, I'm just trying to feel it out a little bit. I mean, I'm kind of on the side right now where I just don't think – I think Mac Jones and that offense peaked maybe four or five weeks ago. I like the Bills in this game. What say you? 100% agree with you. Um, I think – I said this before the Indianapolis game. I thought in the New England from a market standpoint in terms of NFL handicapping, in terms of the spread respect they were getting, were the most overrated team in pro football. Mm. And since then, I think they've lost almost every game. They beat Jacksonville. Okay, but they've – they lost to Indy. They lose to Miami. They, they, they get killed by Buffalo. I don't think they're very good at all. But the one X factor in this thing, Joey, I don't know if you saw the weather for, for that day in Buffalo. Also Those terrible. High winds, high winds, potential snow. To me, if these are ideal conditions, I think Buffalo smokes this team. I really, I think I, Buffalo is actually their, their uh, yards per play this year. They've been best in the NFL. Their yards per play difference. Uh, first, which is one, one of the handicappers' favorite things to look at is how many yards do you get per play and how many yards do you give up per play. And um, Buffalo this year is plus 1.1. They, um, they give up 4.6 yards a play, which is best in the NFL, and they get 5.7. They're plus 1.1. New England, uh, respectable 5.7 in the pro, 5.1 in the against. But I really do think that uh, Buffalo is the better team here. But because of the weather – the only thing that gives me a little pause for concern because we saw bad weather, in my opinion, does favor uh, if it may be more of a running game. Although Devin Singletary has done a lot better job running recently than yeah. from the beginning of the year, you know, so that's been a thing that's actually helped them. Just but follow up on the, the side here. yeah, follow up on the Bills real quick because I yeah. think they came into the season as the as the favorites in the AFC. Uh, that everyone got off of that, and now we're kind of walking yeah. in a little bit as a dark horse, plus three sixty to win the AFC, sure. uh, and I've got them at eight to one to win the Super Bowl. Um, do you? How are you kind of handicapping their chances through the grand scheme of things? Of course, uh, you know I'm always going to kind of lean towards Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, even though they haven't played the way that I think we all have been capable of. Do you think the Bills got a shot at maybe uh, maybe playing in February? Oh, 
Absolutely. I'll be honest. I'm actually going to take it a step further. I think that those, look, here's the thing. There is so much parody. You know, back when Pete Rosell was yes. on parody, parody, parody. I have never seen, Joey, more, in my opinion, from my power ratings, such these teams are so close. And even a team like New England, I'm like, I don't like New England. There's still, this game's a four points, three and a half, four point spread. This is still a baby spread, like nothing. This isn't like a Kansas City, Pittsburgh, 12 and a half, 13 point spread. These games are so close. And I always say these games get decided. Joey, you t- I can tell you who's going to win the game. When, I, when it's third and goal at the five-yard line, who wins that four-point play? Although with Brandon Staley, it'll be who wins the fourth and goal. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but who wins those four-point plays? When there's a fumble, does the offensive lineman fall on it or is it squirt through his hand and then the defensive lineman gets it? So much of this comes down to just a couple plays here and there. Uh, I actually think, though, Buffalo, in my opinion, I think they're the most sound team. I trust their defense the most. I like Josh Allen, a quarterback, very much. Diggs hasn't had the year we've seen from last but, year, I, but he's but still, still really – Yeah, and, and I think Singletary's really played nicely this year. Uh, now, they did lose Tredavious White, which is obviously a big loss, but I do not like this Chiefs team. I just don't think it's going to be them. I think Vrabel deserves coach of the year because I don't think the Titans have much at all. I know they keep winning. Bengals, I think it's still a little too early for them. Um I know it's not going to be, in my opinion, I just don't think New England, Pittsburgh, and the Raiders have a shot. I think the Bills, if I had to pick one team, I was allowed a free bet, even though the math on it says um, the favorite is Kansas City. Give me Buffalo. I think Buffalo is the best shot. I'm right there with you. I think they have the most balance. Their defense has stood up all season long consistently enough for me to buy that. I'm with you yeah. on Diggs, but still in a big game. I think he can come down sure. with a big catch. Knox has had a great year. Um, and then Josh Allen with the ball in his hands. We just saw that with the Justin Herbert effect. Which quarterback in this playoff bunch, you know, even maybe more than Mahomes, Josh Allen on a second and 17 can all of a sudden cut that down to a third oh. and five with his legs, right? And I think that stuff really matters in the playoffs. And I'm right there with you. I think they they probably have the best value right now in a very, very muddled AFC. That's that's that, that's 100% the team I would look at, Joey, because, again, I think it is the best value. And, again, whoever they're playing, you know, this week against New England, um, and then if they play they – play, Kansas City, like I, I don't think Kansas. I think we've seen from Kansas City week in, week out. This is not. This just isn't the Kansas City team that we saw the past two years with Mahomes. I'm not saying it's not a good team. I'm not saying it's not a team that can beat you on any given day. Clearly, it is. They had that seven, eight game winning streak, whatever it was, towards the end of the season. But I just everything about the team. Travis Kelsey, you know, there's a point where a guy just he's been probably what the second or third best tight end this year. He's still being really good but he was not been that amazing amazing dominant guy week in week out uh Tyreek Hill we've seen a little bit it's just he's a you know he's had a lot of not so great games so to me this just isn't the same Kansas City team where I would feel like wow to beat this Chiefs team you're gonna have to do so many things to actually get that victory now I think if you play a decent game a respectable game all these teams are beatable. And by the way, Buffalo, very beatable, too. All these teams are beatable. I just think Buffalo has the least warts of any of these teams, so I'm going to go with them. Yeah, I'm right there with you on the Chiefs, and it's just the thing with Kelsey is his ultimate prime is beginning to come to a conclusion, right? Yes. And I think – and that's the thing with Mahomes is like, God, how many Super Bowls is Mahomes going to win? And I was trying to explain to people that, you know, the Tyreek Hill and the Travis Kelsey that we know and love won't always be like that. They will have to reload around him moving forward, and I think we're kind of sort of starting to see that this year. And that doesn't make Mahomes any less great. It just means that maybe those guys around him aren't going to be as amazing as they have been in previous seasons, which kind of makes me lean a little bit more towards the Bills right now. Let's just dive right into Steelers-Chiefs. Oh, no, please just, toss something. Yeah. question. But 
this is something that was interesting before the year so important out for me. And it's fascinating because I said to you, because I'm asking you, you're probably just going to say, you know, I'm trying to trick you. But if I just <laughs> said to you beforehand, how much older is Travis Kelsey, or is Rob Gronkowski and Travis Kelsey? I would have said four years, three years. I don't know. Are they They're both the like 32, age. 32, yeah. 31? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The third 32. And it's like people think of Gronk as this ancient freaking grandfather. And Travis Kelsey is, is I, I'm just I'm just saying they're the same age. It's just yeah. interesting. That's that's all. Yeah, let's uh, let's move over to Steelers Chiefs. Yeah. Um, a couple things I want to talk to you about on this one. Obviously, Steelers plus 13. That's a big number at plus 545. Chiefs uh, minus 13 at minus 725 over under 46.5. Um, I want to get your take on that line real quick. Obviously, I think everyone's going to be uh, banging the Chiefs on this one, but I do want to ask you, I do think that there is some money to be made in this game in terms of the first half and the first quarter. Uh, just pulling up some stuff real quick. Chiefs, 14.9 first half points this season, third in the NFL. They're averaging 20.3 the last three games. First quarter points, 7.6. That's first in the NFL, averaging 11.7 their last three. I've watched a lot of Steelers games this year. That offense, it gets off to a very slow start. 6.7 in the first half, 31st in the NFL. 4.3 in their last three games. So first half, Chiefs minus 7 at minus 110. That feels like give me money, Brad. Am I wrong? Well, a couple things. Well, first of all, no, you're never wrong. I always think you're right. I'm going to tell your wife you're never wrong. More important. <laughs> yeah. um, no, we let her know. do that. We let her take care of that business. <laughs> exactly. wrong all the time. Um, yeah. It's interesting. But I, I was going to say, like, I I just didn't want to watch Ben Roethlisberger play anymore. Like, I, now, he's great. He's Hall of Fame career. Great. One of the best 10 quarterbacks I've seen in my life. Tremendous player. But I I mean, they're Painful. washed. And then there's really – he's just – I don't say, look, it happens to everyone except Tom Brady, I guess. But yeah, he's, he's just, the he's the workout shirt with the holes in it, and you're they're yeah, like, exactly. when are you gonna get rid of that shirt? And you're like, I exactly. had this in high school, Miami Beach, Daytona Beach. You don't like this exactly. shirt? No, it, yeah, it's yeah. circa nineteen oh four. But <laughs> but yeah, like I I just it's interesting because Pittsburgh, you, you say, all right, Najee Harris, a good player, Deontay Johnson, decent receiver, but they they're just and and Fryermuth, I actually like at tight end, but this is a team. It's it's like going to the dentist's office watching them on offense. I mean, they're and they're not even good on defense. They're just a bad team. There's really nothing to say good about them. But I'm going to say this, and besides obviously Watt, who's just phenomenal. Incredible. But again, I cannot get myself. Now, they just played recently. They played, I think, last month, and I think they won like 37 and 13. It was. It was an ugly. It got out of it got out of control quickly, quick. and again that first half because the Steelers can't score in that first half. It really. I understand them. that, but again, it comes down to me. Again, I just don't think this is a vintage Kansas City team. And I'm going to lean here. Believe, like I actually did play. I actually did do a teaser with uh, Kansas City laying six and a half. I teased him down from 12 and a half to six and a half in a six point mm -hmm. teaser with Tampa Bay. But if I had to bet the game, especially if you get 13, if I had if I had to play this game just from that standpoint, I would actually lean here. Believe it or not, to the underdog Steelers. But I think Pittsburgh is brutally bad. This is me. I just I'm probably less high on Kansas City than than the quote unquote market is. I just am not – I think Kansas – I'll be looking to fade Kansas City as quickly as, you know, when they start playing Buffalo or whatnot. I just – I don't think Kansas City is going to go to the Super Bowl. I don't know who's going to beat them. I just don't think it's their year. Every time I've watched them this year, I've not been impressed. Obviously, they're a better team than Pittsburgh. But, uh, again, I'm still going to lean here towards the uh, the Pittsburgh side in terms of covering.
Yeah, no, I, I hear I'm with you on that. I just like that first half number of the Steelers being down because what we've seen in their top five in scoring in the fourth quarter this yeah. year, Casey's uh, top five in allowing him pass. They've allowed 27 passing touchdowns this year. I know you mentioned Najee Harris and everyone's really excited about him. This is definitely a game where Big Ben throws it over 40 times, in my <laughs> no opinion, question. right? And I definitely think that there is a scenario where they can maybe make it a little bit closer. That 13 is a big number for me, too, as it's well. Exactly. I think I think they could definitely cover that for sure. And I guess maybe if we want to wrap our head around a Pittsburgh hanging in it scenario is maybe TJ Watt or Cameron Hayward get to Mahomes yeah. a little early. And he's kind of looking around for McCole Hardman and Pringle and those other secondary guys, and he kind of can't find them. And maybe they kind of hang around. I don't know how the Steelers do pull it out. I'm with you on that. But first half, uh, first half, maybe the Chiefs having a big lead and the Steelers making it interesting. Maybe that's maybe that can be a storyline you can wrap your head around. I just it comes down to two things for me. I don't. First of all, again, watching that game last week, Denver with Drew Locke. Drew Locke to me is worse than Ben Roethlisberger. Even Denver should have won that game. They were up by, I think they were down by one or up by three or up by two, and then they they fumbled at the five yard line going in. They were on the handoff, and they would have been up by double digits. And then the Chiefs got like a four point lead at the end. I mean, Casey was going to lose that game. I, I, I just really, there gets to be a point where you just have to say, you can, as a gambler, as a gambler, one thing I've learned is, I, and, I, and again, I, we, I talked about your show, what I thought hurt Ryan Pace was, would he rather be consistent or would he rather be right? And with Mitch Trubisky, he didn't care about being right. He was going to be consistent. I took this guy too. He has to be good. I, I, I said he was good last week. I'm saying he's good tomorrow. I'm saying he's good so that I'm out of my job. He'd rather, he'd rather be consistent. I'd rather be right. And, and with Kansas City, I, I keep wanting, I kept wanting to think, okay, yeah, they still have Hill. They still have Kelsey. They still have Mahomes. They, they're these are the same guys. They're not like they're 95 years old, but there's just been something when I watched every one of their games this year where it just hasn't seemed to me to be the Kansas City team that I saw the past, whatever it's been, has been three years, Mahomes being great. I don't know what it was, but two or three years, whatever it's been, where I just, felt like almost you got to the punt it was a minor miracle i feel like this team just isn't there isn't that and their defense even look i i know they've been playing better than with spagnola behind the home i know they've been playing better but i still don't fully trust them either on defense yeah i think pittsburgh's you know can cover this game i i, I just and i i just don't like this kansas city team i don't think it's their year yeah it's just been kind of disjointed on offense so i think what we've marveled at them the last couple of years was you know, they hit Kelsey on the seam route. They yes. hit Tyreek Hill on the end around. Then they hit you up the gut with an eight-yard run. Then Mahomes makes an amazing, you know, it all kind of like built on itself one after another. And these things haven't been quite a, been working as seamlessly for them. And I just don't think they've been able to really find that rhythm at any single point. Uh, let's get over to the let's get over the NFC. Um, I'm super excited. I, I do think that the Super Bowl winner is going to come out of the NFC this year. That's kind of my feeling at this point right now. Uh, let's talk about your Eagles. Uh, Eagles and Bucks. Eagles plus 8.5 plus 320 uh, bucks to cover at eight and a half at minus 400 over under is 49 uh, Eagles have been pretty good against the pass this year, which makes me kind of interested to hear your take on this one with Brady down a couple of receivers. I do know that the Eagles have allowed 14 touchdowns to the tight end position this year. That makes me want to think if anyone gets involved in a Gronk prop, uh, that's not a bad move. Uh, what are you seeing for this game? And what are you seeing for your Eagles in this matchup? Yeah, look, Philadelphia, look, credit to what Philadelphia has done this year, Joe. If you look at their balance of work, so to speak, whenever they've played a good team, they've lost. Uh, <laughs> whenever they played a team who was a quarterback that you've heard of, they've lost. Mm. <laughs> no, no joke. Like, yeah. I'm actually telling you, go go look at their schedule. Whenever they've played a quarterback that 
was horrible, they've won. And Propped up by Daniel uh, Jones? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the one time, that was their actually, it's something you should say that, that was their one loss. They lost 13 to 10 in a game where Jalen Hurts had the worst game of his career. He was horrible. They dominated the Giants. They still should have won, but Hurts was just god-awful. And Jalen Rager, their first-round pick from two years ago, they took over Justin Jefferson, dropped back-to-back easy touchdown passes. But if you if you look at what Philadelphia has done, they beat Atlanta, bad quarterback play. We beat Carolina, horrible quarterback play. Detroit, horrible quarterback play. Denver, horrible quarterback play. New Orleans, horrible quarterback play. Jets, horrible quarterback play. Washington, below average. Giants, below average. Washington, again. Those are their wins. And then when you look at it, when they played San Francisco, good, pretty decent quarterback play, they lose. Dallas twice, lose. Kansas City, lose. Tampa Bay, lose. Derek Carr is very good. They lose. Uh, Justin Herbert, they lose. The, on, the only game that they won, uh, the, the only game that they that they lost was that it was an outlier to this, was that 13 to 7 game of the Giants. All that being said, you know, I look, I did like the thing, the way I like this game the most, Joey, is taking, they're called advantage teasers. When you tease a game in a six point teaser through seven and three, it's called an advantage teaser because three being the most prevalent number in the NFL, seven being the second most. That's just a teaser what you're looking to do. You're looking to take a a one and a half to two and a half point underdog, teasing them to, you know, from seven and a half to eight and a half. You're looking to take a seven and a half to eight and a half point favorite and teasing them down to one and a half to two and a half. Those are called advantage teasers. Those are the only teasers I more or less ever do. I will not do any teaser very rarely. Very rarely. I did do one with the Chiefs this week laying six and a half, but I don't do that very often. Um, but I like Tampa Bay here in a teaser. You asked me if I had to play the spread. Even though I'm saying I would take Tampa Bay in the teaser, my slight lean here would be the Philadelphia side, only because the biggest misconception to me in sports is, oh, next man up. Well, <laughs> if you take Anthony Davis off the Los Angeles Lakers, well, next man up hasn't worked very good for them. It's Dwight when Howard, yeah. If you take yeah. players off your team, it does make a difference. You the national championship game yesterday. I bet on Georgia. I'm telling you, in my opinion, I bet on Georgia. Watching that game. If Jamison Williams did not get hurt in the first or second quarter in that game, I feel actually very confident, extremely confident, I'm going to say, that Alabama was actually going to win that game and by at least a touchdown. I think that changed everything in that mm. game. Everything. That, that, that one injury changed. And, like, to me, you know, when I, when I look at this, this Tampa Bay team, having some of these injuries that they've had, losing Godwin, losing A.B., their defense just hasn't been kind of like what I talked about Kansas city's offense. To me, that's been Tampa Bay's defense mm. still, you know, has a lot of these names, but it's just last year's defense was right. Incredible. You, they did shut. You, I just feel like it just hasn't been the same. Brady is great as he's been. Um, I think it's going to take a toll. I think this team's going to lose eventually. Don't think they're going to repeat as a champion uh, And I think that they're very live to lose as early as their second round game. I think they'll beat Philly, but I wouldn't be surprised if the game stays within the touchdown. And uh, another player just to throw out there, I think when the Buccaneers finally started to really click this season was when Fournette got going. And no Fournette right now has been the biggest problem. And, you know, everyone wants to talk about Tom Brady. And if you look at his numbers, you're like, wow, this guy has passed for, you know, a gabillion yards, tons of touchdowns this year. But really when they got their running game going was probably when they were at their best this year. And that's probably my biggest question for them. Obviously, I do like them in this game. I totally buy an Eagles cover for sure in this situation. And, yeah, I'm kind of with you where 
the Buccaneers right now, I think that they can maybe win, you know, this game, maybe even win another one, get to that championship game, but their luck might run out at I a particular so. point. And it will be interesting to see, especially, you know, who gets matched up with the Packers at one point, you know, how, how that all kind of shakes itself out. The next game I want to talk to you about, which obviously by the line is going to be the game of the week because it is the smallest line, uh, 49ers-Cowboys. 49ers plus three uh, for a plus 138 number. Uh, Cowboys to win by three, minus 158, over under 50.5. I think turnovers are going to be the story of this game. Um, I'm really curious to see what you think about this one in particular because there's two stats that really stand out to me right now. Um, you know, from a fantasy perspective, uh, the Cowboys allowed the 10th most fantasy points to wide receivers this year. So I like Debo Sabio a lot in this game. But then you look at the Cowboys. Oh my! Every single week, right? I mean, the guy's incredible. He's my favorite player in pro football. Yeah, and he was kind of my favorite player last year. Just watching him take end rounds and punish people, he's like he's like a Heinz Ward hybrid of everything that Juju Smith-Schuster wish he was, and and then and then some. Um, My question for you is, what do you think about this game? Can the Cowboys pull this off? The Cowboys have 22 interceptions this year, and they're playing Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I just look at that one particular area right there as maybe could be the death knell for the 49ers. Uh, what say you for this matchup? You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, this is a really tough game, I think, for both for both sides, right? Yeah. I think both these teams kind of are like, gosh, it's a tough draw. Look, I, I thought this line should be about what is that, a field goal. It's interesting. Um I, lo- I love the 49ers skill players, especially Kittle and Debo. Are pro- no, I think they're both just such – Debo is so great. Like, yeah. you watch the things he does. He's, he's, he's phenomenal. He's just phenomenal. And Jimmy, it's interesting. Drafting Trey Lance, Joey, watching Trey Lance this year, they're far better with Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback, and it's not even close. I'm not saying they made a mistake with Trey Lance. That's too early to say. And I look forward to talking about Justin Fields with you hopefully a little bit later. But um, I think this will be a hard game. I I I like Dallas's defense. I like the playmakers they have. I think Parsons is such a difference maker. I think he's right there as his best, second best defensive player in all pro football. Diggs has really helped in the secondary. He's made plays. What I like about this Dallas team, when I talked about it comes down to a play here, play there. Dallas is forcing the most turnovers. I don't think it's all luck. A lot of people in the Linux community will tell you it's all luck. Well, Aaron Rodgers throws four interceptions a year for 20 straight years. At some point, maybe it's not luck. There's some skill to it. You know, but that's one of the analytics. Oh, look, turnovers are luck. And I whenever I hear a podcast, oh, well, they're plus three turnovers. So, you know, they, they got lucky to win. Well, it's not as simple as that, you know. Well, I mean, so and it also means real quick that they're doing it this year, right? Like you can yes. say it's luck, right? But that means that they're executing the fundamental mission of creating turnovers in this particular moment. You got to respect that. Yes, exactly. You have to you have to respect that a hundred percent. And to me, you know, when, when I when I when I see, I, I just I think Dallas will make enough plays, in my opinion, on their defensive side of the ball to pull out this game. I, I, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a really hard fought affair, a really tough game. I have a lot of respect for Frisco. I really, really do. But I think Dallas does win this one, you know, by like, by less than the touchdown. I think it'll be a very hard fought game. I think they win by three or four points. My lean here would be the Dallas side, but again, I'm not betting this game, but I, I think Dallas is the team or Frisco, whoever wins this game, if they, if they do play Tampa Bay next, I know if Dallas wins, they play Tampa. Mm. Um, I don't know how if this second round goes by seeding or how it goes to the NFL, but um, I think both these teams 
could make a deep run in the playoffs. Ooh, to me, it comes up with Dak Prescott. It's interesting. I never would have thought I'd say before the year, I questioning Dallas's offense more than their defense, but I trust their defense more than I trust their offense. Yeah, it's been it's been really interesting with Dallas's offense, and I've been kind of scratching my head about it for a while because what I like about them so much is they have so many options in the passing game, and I truly think Dak Prescott's a fantastic quarterback. For whatever reason, you know, CeeDee Lamb has kind of sort of fallen off the map a little bit. Mari Cooper is touch and go, but they still have guys like Wilson. You know, they lost Gallup, I understand that, but they still have Schultz. I just, again, I'm kind of looking at them, again, Dallas. I'm not saying that they're going to the Super Bowl. I don't like them maybe as much as Bill. I kind of, well, as a dark horse, right, I, I you know, I don't know. I hate it. I hate to say it with the Packers. Someone's got to prove to me that they someone's going to beat the Packers this year and Aaron Rodgers. But, again, Dallas has a lot of those things of they consistently create turnovers on defense. They got Micah Parsons you know, leading the charge in the middle there. And I just like their balanced options on offense. And I think that plays in the playoffs. And if you continuously I'm play all you. these teams, you know, a guy like Albert Wilson can be a hero in a playoff game. And he's not even the fourth or fifth guy that you would probably mention on a Dallas Cowboys team when you think of their best players. And that's kind of the stuff that I like when you're trying to find someone who's going to go to the Super Bowl. Um, final one. For football, and then uh, you know, we're gonna, I, I agree we're gonna... with you on that, though, Joe. If I if I had to pick a team based off the odds, I would go Dallas in the NFC, Buffalo in the AFC. Mm, God, that'd be such an interesting Super Bowl, too. It's actually that'd be oh, a high scoring, really fun Super Bowl, and, and ten to one Cowboys to win the Super Bowl plus five fifty. I have them get 13, to win the you NFC. Get thirteen to one. I've seen thirteen to one. Oh wow! See, yeah. now that, and that's a number, too, that is actually very palatable and amenable to actually place a wager on and feel pretty good about. Um, final one, uh, the matchup of two teams that I don't think, I don't know, anyone really wants to watch right now, right? These were two darlings uh, of the early season. Cardinals got off to a hot start. Rams got Stafford. These two teams are going to run over the NFL. They're both kind of maybe sort of limping into the playoffs a little bit. Now they have to play each other. Cards plus four at a plus 168 rate. Rams to win by four, minus 193, over under 49.5. You know, this is an interesting matchup because obviously they play each other twice a year. Stafford has had good numbers against the Cardinals. 567, uh, five touchdowns, one interception in two games. Uh, The Cards are good at stopping the run, but the Rams don't run the ball, so who cares? Uh, you know, they haven't allowed they've only allowed five rushing touchdowns since week three. I don't think that's gonna be a problem. Cooper Cup week fourteen against the Cardinals, thirteen receptions, 123 yards, one touchdown. And I'm just kind of curious who's gonna come out on top on this one. You know, the Cardinals aren't really they don't really have their mojo going right now, but Stafford again hasn't really played the most inspiring football the last couple of weeks. Who do you like in this game to come out on top? Well, I tell you who I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for Arizona, and I'm going to tell you why, Joey. I didn't hear one person. Tell me if you did. I didn't hear one freaking person rip Coach McVay. At the end of that game, you trade three first-round picks. I saw, I saw your tweet. I saw your it tweet on this. All, and I never yeah, – I don't crazy. Ever, by the way, I'm on Twitter, and I think it was the first time I've ever tweeted other than take this over, take that under. I was so pissed off watching this where I'm like, I'm like, really? You give up three first-round picks for this guy? You, he's your franchise, whatever. You're telling me, this is how you, you ever want to know what's a good decision? It's very simple, okay? You're watching that game. It's third and seven. One first down, the game is over. Whether they have two do they have two minutes left, they don't need the timeout. That means nothing. Time's not an issue. Do you think if they ask Kyle Shanahan, Kyle, do you want them to run the ball on third and seven and you lose your last timeout, or do you want them to pass the ball? He's literally like, 
I'll give up my firstborn if you run the ball. I'll do anything you want. I'll give you my wife. I don't anything you want is yours. <laughs> just, 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 just run the ball, please. And and it's amazing to me the lack of self awareness to just run the ball into the line of scrimmage, and you just give them the ball back like as if two minutes is not enough time and they're going to run out of clock. No one in the so, media went after McVeigh. And I, I can't tell you the free passes. When you're getting paid $8 million a year and Brad Feinberg sitting on his freaking couch knows what an idiotic decision it is, and this is a billion dollars of corporations, how can you be that inept? I well, can't, again, so, these are the so let me ask you, I struggle with. Yeah, so let, let me ask you this because you know, this is a part of the Jared Goff conversation that people have out in LA a lot here. And I'm not saying Jared Goff's a franchise quarterback, and I'm certainly not saying he's as good as Matt Stafford. But yeah. if you look at Goff's stats, uh, at the beginning of the year, his yards per attempt and his yards per completion are always in the seven to the eight and a half range. But by the end of the year, they're down to like 6.2. And what that says to me is eventually, over time, McVay loses trust. And so he goes out and he gets Matt Stafford. I can finally trust Matt Stafford now. Well, in that moment right there, do you think that is a little bit closer to the little crack in this perfect relationship of McVeigh maybe losing trust with Stafford? Or does McVeigh losing trust with himself? Because we've also seen some questionable calls of he gets kind of, you know, he gets ballied about as this guy who's this innovative, you know, uh, gung-ho offensive play caller. But he can, he can kind of get conservative and he can turtle up just as quick as maybe other offensive coordinators. So is that a I lack mean, of trust in himself or Stafford? I... I think it's just I, – again, I wish I could be in the room with him because I will say this, in that game, their offensive line was just putrid, and they, they really struggled protecting Stafford. And maybe that's what he'd say, like, why well, didn't want to risk a strip sack or or whatnot. But, look, I'll be honest, and I mean this, like, you get a strip sack at your own 32-yard line, they're, gonna, they're, gonna, they're just going to drive down the field either way. They're going to get to your 32 anyway. It's just the way that game was – you don't need yeah. me to tell you that. Like, yeah. there was a second half of that game. They were getting absolutely thoroughly dominated. You couldn't stop them once. You 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 needed a first down there. And and I just think, again, in my opinion, there's going to be, a, at some point, there's going to be a guy, guys like me, that understand probabilities of what risk management, where they would say, listen, no, third and seven, coach, no, we, we can't run the ball up the middle and just punt the ball back to them. Like, that's just not good game theory. We, we're getting a free chance to end this game. Yes. We're getting a free chance to end this game. And let's say the chance of converting a third and seven are 42%, okay, or something like that. Running the ball, it's more like probably like 6%. So you're throwing away like like 36% of edge just because you, you, you're, you're – it just doesn't make any sense. And, well, it, it, and you, you, call it, you call it uh... – you, you call it game theory, uh, and other people, like the cliche is, uh, you step on their neck, or, you know, that's yeah. the nail in the coffin, you know what I mean? And that's uh, that's right. part of part of what, uh, yeah, that part, of, I mean, that had me scratch my head. I read that tweet, too, and I was like, I was like, oh, I was like, I just can't imagine what Brad's, what Brad's I, really feeling I on think that it one. Was, if I had a guess, though, Joey, my guess is I think it was the offensive line. If I had, it, mm, I don't necessarily okay. a lack of interest in Stafford. I, in that game, in fair, it, I will say they're all, but I don't care how bad the offensive line was. You need one first down, one play, one first down, the game's over. And you know if you run the ball, you're not getting seven yards, unless you're going against the Chargers team, right? But you, you know you're, you're not going to you're not gonna get the seven yards. So you're going to punt the ball back with the full two minutes on the clock. They're not going to run out of time. That's the whole thing. Now, yeah. if it was 
let's say a minute ago, okay, that I understand that maybe talk could become an issue. And maybe then you could make that argument. And I totally get that. When there's two minutes to go, it, to me, that's just inexcusable. And I think one of the best ways I would think if I was trying to run an NFL franchise, I would have a probabilities guy on my sideline constantly telling me when the punt, when the go for it. And it would not be going for it fourth and one of my own 18, by the way. Uh, and and things, things like that to help the coach out. Because I understand the coach has so many things going on in his mind. Maybe he gets frazzled. Maybe he can't understand things. Not because he's not smart, but just because so much stuff's going on. Hire someone dedicated. Like they have an offensive line coach, right? There's a wide receivers coach. There's a running backs coach. There's yeah. a quarterbacks coach. Why can't there be a, a game strategy coach or whatever you want to call it where the, this, these things don't happen? And, and to me, it's, it's, it's just something I find fascinating that I see these mistakes. And McVeigh is one of the golden boys of the great coaches. They, uh, they know it can't do anything wrong. I, I, to me, my, my, my opinion to him, and I've seen him do it before, he gets crazy conservative in situations like that. In my opinion, he cost his team that game or very heavily contributed to his team's demise. Kyle, what an interesting point, because in theory, in baseball, that's what a bench coach is supposed to do. He's supposed to have yes. analytics on hand and he's supposed to give the all the probabilities and everything to the manager. And then he makes the right decision. Um, I want to cover out some space for yeah. uh, some hoops talk. But real quick, um, you mentioned Justin Fields earlier. Um, so I'm trying to think of an interesting way to phrase this. But, you know, what is what's on your mind? Or I guess if you had a question for me about Justin Fields or the Chicago Bears right now, um, you know, what's going through uh, what's going through your mind right now in terms of our situation right now happening at House Hall? Well, I'm going to – because we, we didn't speak about this, so I'm going to – I'm just curious on this. I'm going to ask you – because I, I actually do have some it, – it's some some case for that. What, and I'm going to ask a question here because I, I went off on uh, uh, a pro handicapper who I respect a lot, and he was talking about Justin Fields, and he said something. I viciously disagree with but I, I'm not going to tell you which side I'm on. Mm-hmm. Do you think if I said to you, Justin Fields, A, played at par for what you expected, B, below par, or C, far better than expectations, which of those three would you say? So I'm going to answer this question in terms of body of work, um, because I definitely think to preface it, there are definitely some moments that had me saying, okay, I can see it, but I'm probably going to go below par on this one. That's, to be perf- That's yeah. what I thought. He, yeah. he was like, and this is a very respected sport, one of the top guys in the world. It's like, with Fields being far above what they ever could have hoped for. Huh? Oh, no, no, no. they ever could have hoped for? No, I'm no, like, no. So, are you watching the games? I even don't know why he was better. Now, look, like, uh, let's get all the excuses out of the way. You know, did they set him up for success? No. Is our offensive line good enough to help him out? No, absolutely not. Yeah. Allen Robinson doing a complete disappearing act this season in a contract year didn't help him out a lot, especially a possession receiver for a rookie guy, a veteran who should be able to get open for him didn't help him out. Here's what I'm seeing with Justin Fields. And look, like, everything that you hear positively about him, I believe in, right? Like, I, I think that he is very smart. I think he is intelligent. I think he wants to be great. I like the stuff that he says after games. Uh, the dude's wicked fast. Uh, the dude's super strong. He's got a great arm. I think his accuracy 20, 25 yards down the field and beyond is possibly um, above average. I'm going to put it there at this point. But, Brad, man, you'll, you'll know this better than anybody because you watch the game so intently. It's that point where it's just this thing where and it's it's going to sound glib, but like you either have it or you don't. And here's what I'm saying about that is, 
you know, they're saying like, you know, he's got to learn how to read defenses. He's got to learn to work through his progressions. Well, guess what? Every single quarterback that ever comes through the NFL has to figure that part out, right? And that is just the bridge that you have to cross. And you either cross it or you don't, right? Yeah. Mitch Trubisky played well at moments, right? But again, if you don't, if you don't excel and you don't graduate from that part of getting to that second and third read, you never become a good quarterback. And I can't sit here and say that Justin Fields 100% is going to be an amazing Pro Bowl player until he checks that box, right? And the thing with Mac Jones that I enjoy is that he seems to at least have shown you enough to be able to conquer that concept of progression in the pocket, right? Now, do I think Mac Jones is going to be great? I don't know. Is he going to be the guy that we're going to say, he's good, but is he great? We might have that conversation in a couple of years, which is why I feel okay taking a chance on fields. But but you know, do you do you hear what I'm saying? We're like I do. every quarterback has to go through this. Every quarterback has to go through their progressions, learn to read defenses, learn to pick up the blitz. You know, everyone has to do it. You have to figure out a way to conquer that aspect of the game. Until he does, this isn't just a maturation thing where you go to school for four years and you get a diploma. You actually have to do it. You actually have to succeed and make that happen. If you don't, it's never going to work out for him, and he's going to continue to have problems. Can he be Cam Newton? Absolutely. Can he be a Big Ben type of player? Totally. But again, it's going to take – he's going to have to go out there and do it, and I just haven't seen enough from him to say that it's a slam dunk that that's going to happen. And then you know, it goes funny. for any quarterback. It goes for you, everybody. Have you ever – played John Madden football before, right? Of course. Right. I mean, oh, it's interesting. I suck at it, okay? And the reason <laughs> being, oh, I'm horrible. Because when I'm watching the plays, I'm like, oh, my God, the A receiver, the B, X, or whatever the buttons are, the thing. I'm like, it's like it's too – I can't comprehend it's I can't do it fast enough. And it's like, and but it's probably and it's funny, you, you you're laughing, but if you actually think about it, I almost think of pro football as a big John Madden come to life in it. It's the same kind of thing. You have to you have to see everything at once and be able to process it all within yeah. like 1.4 seconds, whatever the heck it is, where it just comes to you. You just it for you, it's just, oh, I see this guy's it, you can see it all. You great peripheral vision, everything. I can't do it. It's not one of my talents. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, do I this? Do I add? I'll, I'll just put the ball. I don't care. I feel like with Fields, it's that kind of thing where it doesn't seem like he has that. And, again, maybe it's something you, you can get, not get. I don't know. But I, I think I, I, I do. Uh, Brad, I, to your point, I do believe that the game can slow down for you over time. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. You know, in terms of Madden, you know, basically, I – I do what a lot of people talk about in the NFL. A lot of times I split the field in half and I pick two routes that I like. And then pre-snap I watch as soon as the ball snapped, I watch where the linebacker goes and I watch where single high safety goes. And then I decide. And, and sometimes if I have enough room in the pocket, I will look to my left at that third option. But a lot of times I'm not able to do it. I just yeah. stick to what happens with low and high. And a lot of times, yeah, I'll get blown up on a blitz too because I don't see someone come from, coming from the back end. It's totally possible. So I empathize. I totally do. Like It's not the same, but I get the idea of what you're talking about is just reading plays, like play theory, right. seeing what the pockets and manipulating space and your eyes and all this other kinds yeah. of stuff that needs to happen. And I get it, but like, look, it's either something that people do or they don't, right? Yeah, I just don't think it comes over time. And I'm just after Mitch, after Trubisky, and after everybody, and you, you know, you go through all these guys of, hey, this guy's gonna be great, this guy's gonna be great, you know, Deshaun Watson for whatever reason is able to go through his progressions yeah. and figure it out at a, at a quicker level. Some people have the ability to do it at an elite level. He seems to be one of those guys. And again, I would suck at it. Like I, I would be painfully bad because to me, I, I'm like, I'm like, 
I need to be like, okay, focus on this one. Like it, it's, it's too much. It's, it's hard. Now it's funny with the sports gambling, I can process everything 20 million things at once I can do. Yeah. But that I that, can't do. It, it's, it's just different the way, but, but with that, it's, it's challenging for me, but I was, I did not like fields. Uh, that was just my, I was disappointed for what I thought he was going to be. I was flat out significantly disappointed. And when this guy said he thought he blew away expectations, that way he goes, he goes, Oh my God. He goes, now he would be the first pick in the draft. He blew away expectations. I'm like, okay, like what? Well, here, expectations. Brad, uh, so I, I'm going to I'm going to tease this one on this pod now because I'm going to be asking a lot of Bears people over the next month yeah. this question. And I just want to throw it out there. You know, I mean, I know that a lot of Bears fans are invested in fields. And look, I, I, I have a Fields jersey. I want him to be great. But Brad, uh, Russell Wilson for Justin Fields in a number one pick straight up. Are you doing that deal? Who says no? Would I give up Russell Wilson if you if were the Bears, but I take Russell Wilson in a, in a one? No, no, uh, Russell Wilson to the Bears for Justin Fields in a future one. Who oh, says and a future no? one. You know what's interesting with Russell Wilson, one of my all-time favorite players. I mean, there's a guy I think that's just really a, a phenomenal player. When he came back from his injury, Joey, it's interesting. I don't know, again, and you say to yourself, okay, they have DK Metcalf, Tyler Lock. You wouldn't say they don't have any weapons, right? You wouldn't say, oh, the receivers stink or anything like that. Uh, I didn't watch Seattle and no, I, I would really have to study the tape on Russell Wilson. I'd have to bring him in saying, what, what happened this year? Like physically, were you right? Was, was it, was it the play, you know, the new coordinator, like what, what was different where you went from being a guy that was bulletproof, bulletproof. He never had a bad game. Russell Wilson, you know, this year, I mean, never yeah. had bad games to a guy that seemingly every game was kind of bad. Um, now, and if I'm, if I'm Chicago, as much as I didn't like Fields, I would really need to make feel confident that two things. One, do I think I have a roster, assuming I'm getting a peak Russell Wilson, because he's, what, 12, 10 years older, 11 years older? I don't, I'm just throwing it out there. Do I think I have a roster that can compete ASAP to win the division, be in the playoffs? I, I don't know. I mean, they, they won six games with horrible quarterback play. So maybe, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, and if I'm Seattle, look, if I'm Seattle, I, I, I probably would not run it back. I would probably, this would probably be, in my opinion, a good time maybe to say, Russell, can't wait to retire the number three. You were, you, you know, you were a Ben Roethlisberger. You were incredible for us. You know, like we'll have Russell Wilson day and everything like that. But maybe this is the time I can, I can cash that chip in. I would, I'm not, but I'm not so sure if a team like Chicago is close enough to, necessarily winning a Super Bowl, but maybe they are. Maybe I'm maybe the, the quarterback play was so disappointing. Joey, you watch the games where if they had peak Russell Wilson, if you think that that would put them over the top, I I don't think it's an unfeasible idea by you. I mean it's just it's it's two very, very wildly different scenarios, right? Where you have Justin Fields on a rookie contract, you can spend money in different ways and you can hope that he can progress. And I still have hope that he's going to be a really good quarterback. And I think there's an offensive uh, mindset and philosophy that you could put around him that actually can make him really thrive and, and he can come up with a lot of cheap touchdowns in the red zone either with his legs or either with different yeah. looks and stuff but with Russell Wilson again cost certainty I know it's cost certainty 40 million dollars but also you know what I mean like you know exactly what you're getting and if you're telling me at 33 years old Russell Wilson's gonna stop trying to work out like a maniac you know what I mean and do everything he I, I just feel like he's the guy who can play into his 40s I'm going to lean closer to the thumb being a major part of 
what is going on there. And obviously, uh, an offense that's grown stale in Seattle, I'm going to lean a little bit closer to that and say that, you know, I think Russell Wilson will be on a new team next year. And I think whoever, whatever team he'll be on, I think he'll be pretty damn good. And I just think oh, that I his, look, he's, I think his makeup, just, I think his makeup plays. Lunch. Yeah, I think he's, his makeup I mean, plays. There's a guy who's come in. He's won double. He's been, he's been so great. You've taken it for granted how yeah. great the guy's been. So, um, but if I'm Seattle, I would maybe, no, again, they could run it back again and just say, listen, but I, and maybe it was as simple as just, just him having the thumb injury. But to me, that team, I don't know. It just seems like, I don't, I don't know. I think it may be time maybe to just to again, cash it on. in, but, but, they, but they probably could get a significant sum for him. Uh, now, again, the cost for, if you think about it, fields was basically, well, there's two ways to look at it. Was fields a mid first round pick or is he two number ones? Well, yeah, that's, you know what the, I mean? That, right? I mean, and, and well, and uh, now it's two, uh, we moved up to 11 and, okay, 11, uh, and okay. we just gave, we gave the giants seven now. So uh, I don't right. know the, uh, the, the value, the valuation that you put on that. Um, but yeah, no, that's going to be really, it's going to be a really yeah. interesting question moving forward. Um, and again, like I'm, I'm excited to see if they can pair him with somebody. And um, you know, I mean, I think NFL quarterbacks, I think finding hall of fame, elite NFL quarterbacks, I think it's really hard to do. Everyone thinks that you can just, you know, snap your fingers or someone just comes right in. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Like I love Trevor Lawrence's physical skills. I don't know if he's going to be the next great guy. Right. I mean, I think Justin Herbert has been that example of some guys just come in and just have it right away. No one in this class this year, even Mac Jones, who's played well, but I don't think he's oh, yeah. played well to the point where I think he's going to be someone that, you know, we're going to have to be rec- The NFL is going to be reckoning with for the next 10 years. And uh, I just don't think these guys come around that often. So we, we will see uh, a couple minutes left. We got to do some hoops, though. We got to do 10 minutes with, with Brad here before we let you go. Um, I'm just going to read some stuff off to you real quick about my Chicago Bulls. Um, Bulls win the Eastern Conference right now. Plus 850. I have it. Um, I also have to win the NBA title. I have them at plus 1800 right now, 18 to one. I have Billy Donovan coach plus 325. Um, I want to get your take on the Chicago Bulls. I also want to get your take on, uh, in terms of bet online futures right now, the heat, the Miami heat have better odds of winning the Eastern conference and winning the NBA title than the Chicago Bulls right now. Can you explain that for me? Cause that really kind of blows my mind. Uh, I'm so excited for this Bulls team right now. And you said that they were going to go over this year, and I think they're going to fly past that number of, what was it, 44.5 right now? They're going to blow I got past over 42 and a half. I have 10 yes. to 1 the division. 35 to 1 to get the number 1 seed. 25 to 1 to get the number 2 seed. I think I have 10 to 1 to get the 3 seed. I bet them to finish in the top 8 of the standings. In the East. Yeah, Brad. I, I bet the Bulls yes. on every possible thing this year. Yes. Answer your question. Uh, I'm going to wrestle with you a little bit on the Miami Heat thing. Um. The Bulls, 26 and 11. Yes. The Heat, 25 and 15. Not far away. The Heat, not far away. The Heat, plus 4.2 points per game. Bulls, plus 3.3. The Heat have missed their best player, second best player, Bam Adebayo, for the last 20 games, about. Um, With Jimmy Butler in and out as well, always. Like 15. I think the Heat, if they're healthy, are definitely ahead of the Bulls. I'm going to totally go over the top and disagree with you i think the heat uh if healthy have a tremendous roster actually i i this is me not being anti-chicago i i love what chicago's done but it's amazing to me if you think about the heat being 25 and 15 with with the crazy amount of injuries that they've had 
I think a healthy team with Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, and it's given gotten PJ Tucker as a role player. Um, and then they've gotten decent play, like this guy Omer Year Seven, who's coming, mm -hmm. you know, Max Struess. <laughs> They, they, they've gotten guys, Gabe Vincent, that come off because of all these injuries and give them a chance to get a little more deep even. Um, I actually like this Miami team, believe it or not. Like, this is a team I actually think uh, has a chance to do some good things. Look, Chicago, I really love what they've done this year. I, it's interesting. They got so panned, right, for that DeMar DeRozan signing. They got absolutely destroyed for it. And if you think about it, like, look what that signing has done. It is change the franchise it's like and i said like who cares i mean he's a great you, you were on you were on a preseason you were like quality is quality i mean yeah, who cares about the number quality. like it, it, that it, it's like people like oh oh they give up a first round pick they're giving him three-year contract i'm like okay those are i'm not saying that's not valid but you're forgetting one part he's good at basketball he's really good and he's been a great player for 10 years in a row where he's been like a, an all-star power of a player that's going to improve your team like let's look at the good as part of this and and i look i do like the the bulls roster a lot um the one guy i thought let me ask you a question to, to me and again you, you follow it more i mean i follow the bulls like crazy but a guy that is a guy that i really i follow this guy's career quite a bit uh he's always been one of my favorite kind of guys but i feel like this year he's just hasn't been what i i don't know i was expecting more or whatever vucevic to me is a guy that i just haven't been quite is um, I feel like he just hasn't been quite as as good as 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 I thought he would be. And I know there's mm -hmm. a lot of mouths to feed with with DeRozan now being there or whatnot. But he just to me it seems like he hasn't shot the ball as well as he has in the past. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just more from a shooting standpoint. Yeah, I'm looking right. I'm shooting 42%. He's a career 49% free field goal guy. I want to make sure I wasn't crazy. But I do like the Chicago team. I think they have a nice mix. Joey, and, and I, I definitely think that they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs, regardless of who they play. Well, I'm going to do a little counter with you with the Miami Heat. Um, and first of all, I, you know, I think in terms of you know, match those team, two teams up, and you said the word if healthy, which is going to be obviously so prominent yeah, with so, any yeah. sort of matchup that we that we talk about moving forward. Um, I think Kyle Lowry is the real problem probably for the Chicago Bulls in those moments in the third and fourth quarter. I know we have great uh, we have a great backcourt in terms of defense defensive wise, but I think Kyle Lowry, Lowry kind of uh, negates that a little bit. You know, my only thing about it is that. You know, the Bulls are going through the same thing, though. You know what I mean? I, I get Ben Matterbio's been out for 20 games, and Jimmy Butler's been in and out of the lineup, but, you know, the Bulls have been decimated by COVID. I mean, every single one of their guys, DeRozan, Vucevic, uh, Ball, Zach Levine, have all been on the COVID list at one point or another. They actually haven't played with their full freight of guys this entire time. I'm really interested to see if they go out and they do get a big. And I guess my pushback a little bit right now is they just seem like – and this is not analytical at all. This is just kind of from my heart and what I see in the NBA. Uh, they've got a little bit of that mojo. You know, every year that team, like the Miami Heat did in the bubble. Sometimes you get that mojo and everyone just plays on the same string together and they can able to be able to do things maybe a little bit ahead of their skis than they want to. Um, in terms of Vucevic, I'm right there with you. My Probably my take on him is that he's just been a good soldier about the whole thing. Right, right. You know what I mean? Third option. You said a lot, a lot of miles to feed. Uh, in the beginning of the season, um, I don't have it in front of me, but the first month, his sh field goal percentage in the paint had to be like under 35%. I mean, the guy missed two, so many bunnies, so many jump hooks, so many little post moves that he's, I think, made a, his career out of. Uh, they just weren't dropping, like in and out. I mean, it was pretty crazy. He even said it uh, in a couple post games where he's like, I've never shot like this before. You're starting to see him over the last 
couple of weeks, maybe like five, eight games, they're starting to find him a little bit more at the top of the key for some threes. Uh, would I like to see him shoot the ball a little bit better from that area? Yes, but he's getting those opportunities. And I think they've found out ways now to get him in one-on-one -on -one situations in the post. And he's taking advantage of it now. The jump hook is back. The post moves are back. And I think you are going to see, what is he? I think he's at 16 and 10 right now or something like that, 15 and 11. Yeah, it's 11, 16, 11. Yeah, I, now, do I'm, I think... I'm a big fan of his. I, I think he's a really nice player. I, I do want to have to go back at you though, a little bit. A little, go for a little it. Sparring here. But, but Jimmy Butler, 23 games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Zach Levine, 35. Marta Rosen, yeah. 34 games. Bam out of bio, 18. Those are the two best yeah. players in each team. Been a massive yeah. difference in favor of the Bulls. So I do think the Bulls, now again, they did lose Patrick Williams. I get five games in, whatever you want to make of him. Uh, whether that's a big injury, not a big injury, I don't know. I mean, he's uh, a guy. He's a guy that switches on Bam Adebayo in a series, right? I mean, he he right. he, he, mean, he means something, but he isn't something that totally changes right. the whole landscape. And I am curious to see what the Bulls decide to do, because do they pull from this roster a little bit and try and trade for somebody, or do they sit around and are they a buyout candidate? Can they be the guy that picks up a Thad Young, a dude that gives you those eight right. to ten minutes in a playoff series sure. that don't really show up in a box score, but actually really mean something when it when it matters? Um, and they haven't played the Bucks yet either. Caruso to me has been Caruso's been a good player for them. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was, you know, and then look, it'll be interesting to see. Like Kobe White is a guy who has just come back now the last. 15 games or so or 20 games or so like really playing know, well. Yeah. And like, he's a player that I think could be like a nice role player for this team. Look, I like the bulls roster a lot. I, I actually do. I think they're in good. I think they're in a good spot. I think they're a good team. I just, if they're in a playoff series, I'm just being honest. I would take Milwaukee against them. I would take the Nets against them. Uh, I would take the heat against them. Philadelphia, I think, would be a very close series. I was just about uh, to say, you know who terrifies me also is the 76ers because Embiid owns the Bulls, and it's just a bad matchup for them. You know what I mean? And I'm yeah, not they, saying they, the Bulls are going to walk through the Eastern Conference, uh, but, yeah, those teams that you so. mentioned, they, they have they to skip one of those teams, though, right? They have to skip – they have to get lucky somehow and skip the Nets, the Bucks, the Heat, and the Sixers. They have to skip, like, at least one of those teams, right? They can't – or, I'm sorry, they have to skip at least two of those teams, right? They can't play – all three of those well, rounds. Yeah, if they get the you know? number one seed, they well, they're not gonna be able to do that. Because yeah, yeah, if they yeah. Get number one seed, they're gonna have to play theoretically either no, because there's five teams, right? There's yeah, they'd have to play they play a Charlotte or something like Miami, that, and then Brooklyn and Chicago. I don't see any way that those are not the top five seeds. Maybe Cleveland sneaks in. I actually really like what Cleveland's done this year. Um Yeah, I know the 76ers were kind of down a little bit, but now they've kind of risen back up into that middle of the pack a little bit. One seven bit. in now, a row. One seven yeah. in a row. And yeah, they're going to be all right. an incredible level right now. I mean, absolutely. He's playing the best basketball of his career. Funny thing is, if they did add Ben Simmons and he actually was playing, I actually think they would, in my opinion, be the best team in all of basketball. Uh, but they that's not going to happen, in my opinion. But I, I think if they were to add a guy like that, they would really that, be a tough that, that's a rabbit hole, but I texted you uh, a couple weeks ago. I said, can you imagine a world where Kyrie Irving places NBA, an NBA game before Ben Simmons this year? That's yeah, just right. incredible well, to me. That, that would have been a trade I thought could have been beneficial. You asked about that Russell Wilson trade, but to me, Kyrie Irving not being able to mm -hmm. play on the road, Ben Simmons not being able to play, sorry, yeah. Kyrie Irving not being able to play at home. Um, you know, is that team that Brooklyn say, so, you know what, we, with Harden and KD, we don't necessarily need a dominant scorer. Wow. Give us the defense, give us the rebounding, give us the ball handling of Ben Simmons. And from the Sixers' point of view, just give us a player who's going to play, let alone a dynamic, all-star, crazy good player. Why wouldn't that happen? What, what, I haven't I, heard I, that. I, Why, I, what's listen, the, what would be the hole up there? I, You know, it's funny. I, when I broached it to 
people who I respect who cover Philadelphia basketball, they, they didn't think the Sixers would do it. Um, mm. You know, Kyrie being a free agent, Kyrie being just Kyrie. Uh, yeah. But I'm like, look, Ben, what do you, I, I go, one thing in life you can't do is overrate your own assets either, right? Ben Simmons, it's the old, remember the movie Trading Places when he goes, this watch tells time in 86 different countries, you know, and then this, 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 it tells time in Schalt. And the guy's like, Philadelphia's worth 50 bucks. Like Ben Simmons' value is not what Daryl Morey, Daryl Morey could say, oh, five-time All-Star, defensive player of the year, runner up two straight, like, okay. But his value is not, his value is his value. And, and, And so, to me, that's a trade I think actually would have made sense for both clubs. But now I think that Kyrie Irving is actually back playing for the uh, Brooklyn Nets. I think they would be less likely to say yes, in my opinion, of the two. But if I was Philadelphia, sure. I. But it comes in itself. So Kyrie Irving's a guy that you don't plan on resigning, and you just think you're just giving away Ben Simmons for for a rental of of Kyrie Irving and you just don't want to give away that asset Ben Simmons assigned for four more years. And they see that as a really big foundational piece and they want to get back another piece that's committed to them for four years. I think that's the reason why they theoretically would say no. But if I was Philadelphia, I think that would make them the favorite to win the whole championship. Uh, and I think I buy pretty big favorite to win yeah. the championship. Well, also it's kind of counterintuitive of, if we trade said piece, we get rid of said problem, but then we bring in new problem. It just doesn't, I guess that maybe just doesn't match up, but yeah. on paper, on paper and what it could serve each team. Um, I think on a basketball perspective, if you take all the bullshit out of it, um, it actually kind of does make a little bit of sense. And you made up a good point too, about Kyrie as well, um, about what he's going to do, what his future is going to, you know, yeah. just as murky as what Ben Simmons is probably going to do. Uh, Brad Feinberg, you've been so generous with your time. we got to let you go. NBC Sports Philadelphia is Brad Feinberg. Bet preps, Brad Feinberg. Uh, man, my friend, so great to talk to you. Uh, I learn so much from you every single time. Uh, we always go a little bit long, so I think yeah, you for I, I hanging around, but I, 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 I love being help. around. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much. Quick, uh, real quick, just throw your socials out, throw some Twitter stuff for the people listening yeah. right now, because this is information for people that want to make some money during the playoffs and moving forward. Sure. Going to your Twitter page and checking that out on the daily is a must follow. Yeah, I'm at Brad's, B-R-A-D-S, Brad's best bets. Yeah, and I don't, I just try to give stuff out to all people. That's all yeah. I ever try to do, Brad's best bets betprep.com is the site I work for. I give I have two different shows, Giving Futures, where I give up. Two weeks ago, Mike Vrabel, 14 to 1 coach of the year. Jamar Chase plus 375 rookie of the year. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, 7 to 1 MVP. Some good, some good stuff I've given out recently. Tyler Euro, 14 to 1, six man. I give this stuff out every single week. And then also giving given props. I was this year 87 and 45, I believe, in my props. I'll take that 87 and 45. So I give that every each each week on my show as well. So uh, hopefully uh, I can help some people out there make some money. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you're a good man. You're a good friend. Good to see you. Happy New Year to you and your family. And I uh, hope to talk to you soon. You too, brother. Today's episode of Bet on Chicago is presented by BetOnline.ag. 50% welcome bonus when you use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, on your first deposit. Thanks so much for checking out this pod. we got plenty of Bears stuff. We're talking a little White Sox. Maybe doing some movies in the future. So make sure you come on back down and check out and listen. Till then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. And remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.